Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. A very warm welcome to another episode of the Burgrinder Show. And also, big welcome to those of you on the Arabic with Sam channel as well who will obviously be watching this. You know, today's episode was so relevant to the Arabic channel that I couldn't help myself. I couldn't resist sharing with you guys as well. So in today's episode of the show, I have a conversation with our brother Ismail Beaumont. A lot of you guys will be familiar with his work already. I mean, obviously, the things that he's achieved at Maysor Arabiya is absolutely incredible. I mean, he's reached literally tens of thousands of students helping them with the Arabic language. Obviously, a lot of you guys know that he's a graduate of the University of Medina, most specifically in the School of Hadith. Um, he's also achieved great things with his other um, project, Little Maysor, as well, where they have children's resources and stuff as well. They've got these really beautiful little dolls as well. There's a promotion that he talks about as well, actually, in the show as well that we share with you guys. So, actually, in the show, I mean, it, it gets pretty heavy quite quickly. Like, I wasn't quite sure how the conversation with him was going to go because, you know, him and I have worked together for quite a while, but we've never actually kind of spoke live. Like, he helped me with the planning and for the proofreading of my program, the Arabic in 60 Steps program, and I hired him as one of the mentors for my program as well. And, you know, him and I have kind of been in communication for a long time, and he's a brother who I really love for the sake of Allah. And, you know, all of these things that he's managed to sort of do... Um, you know, over, you know, throughout his career, graduate from the University of Medina, he's recently had his fifth child, um, you know, and also with his battle with cancer as well, which lots of you guys, I mean, maybe if you don't even know the contribution that he's made to his field of teaching the Arabic language and of helping the Muslim youth, like, like, there, there are even some of you don't even know about that, like, you might even know about him because of his struggle with cancer and how he's, and how he's talked about it, and um, so he, it got really honest, you know, our conversation got really honest really quickly, and, um, so um, I'm absolutely sure that you guys will enjoy it, inshallah. So um, please join me in welcoming our dearest brother, Ismail Beaumont. We all right? Yeah, we're good, bro. So I, I don't want the audience to miss out on any of our little chit-chat and stuff. So I'm just going to go straight into it, inshallah, if that's all right. So um, yeah, so bismillah. Just a three, two, one, one. Ismail Beaumont, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening and assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh, my brother. Thank you so much for um, the honor and having me uh, on this. Can I call it a podcast? You can call it whatever you like, Efi. It's a show, it's a podcast. Um, this particular episode will go on all of the Arabic with Sam stuff um, because it's so relevant to them. And then, sure. um, then there's kind of a new show that we're launching called The Burgrinder Show. And, um, and it, will, it will be an episode on there as well, inshallah. So, um, awesome. Thank you so yeah, much, so. man, for this opportunity to, um, you know, we've never actually spoken um, I can't even put it face to face, virtually face to face, if you like, and um, also the opportunity, Achi, for me to reach out to your audience. So I do, you know, deeply uh, appreciate um, appreciate this. I just want to put out there, you know, um, there's a fantastic. If you don't mind, Achi, I'm going to just use this opportunity just to plug something. There's a fantastic um, in Instagram page that anybody that's interested in interior design. I would highly, highly, highly recommend that they check out. It's called Decor Mummy, one word, mm -hmm. all right? And um, she's an up-and-coming interior designer in the Muslim space with five kids. And inshallah, she's definitely going to disturb that space. I wanted to put that out there from the jump. It's called Decor Mummy, D-E-C-O-R, Mummy, M-U-M-M-Y. Good, mashallah. I'll put, the, I'll put the handle up here and I'll put it in the show notes as well, inshallah. Whoever's watching this on YouTube as well, I'll link it up in the description as well. Much uh, that's appreciate. Nice. Based in London? Definitely based in London, um, but you know you don't have to be in London to benefit because there's going to be a website soon. It's going to be the Instagram page, and it's going to be everything from interior design to raising kids, um, also living with somebody that has a you know um, a, a life-threatening illness. Um, it's my wife's page, by the way. That's okay. why I'm, that's, that's that's why I'm pushing it so hard. And you know, uh, oftentimes, actually, I, 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 
forgive me for just, you know, diverting ever so uh, quickly. Oftentimes, especially with the Arabic or the uh, journey with cancer, everybody just sees this face right here. You with me? Yeah. They don't see the rock. They don't see the rock that's behind me, that's supporting mm. me up, like my vertebrae. They don't see it because she's behind the camera. So this is her time for her to, you know, give back all of her creativity with regards to interior designing, her knowledge about marketing and advertising, how she's managed to, you know, do that, try and chase her dream. And at the same time, raise five kids, one with Down syndrome, look after a sick husband, you know, try and run a business. You know, she's, um, she's definitely my, uh, my role model in, in, in so many ways. Shout out to the mothers and the wives out there, okay? Shout out to them out there, man, that are, that, are, that are making all of this possible for us. And um, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful, mashallah. You know, but well, whilst we're here, then maybe, maybe I'll give a shout out to something that my wife does as well, maybe, inshallah, as, as, yeah, as we're here. And maybe we, yeah. we do a specific request, actually, that, uh, that everybody who's watching this make a particular sort of personal and sincere dua when you're on your own, when you're in your sujood or whatever, so specifically for our wives and for our mothers and, you know, for, for those who are kind of behind the scenes and make it happen for us. Because, you know, my, my, my wife, Allah Mabarik, she's, um, she runs a, a charity specific for, specifically for the deaf Somali community. Um, it's called the Silent Horn Foundation. And um, yeah, because the, you imagine in a, in a place like Somalia, right, that's, that's had all of its kind of challenges in our recent history, like sure. so much so that, that pretty much anybody who is a Somali or is related to a Somali probably knows firsthand somebody who's, who's been killed because of conflict or because of hardship out there and the fitness yeah. that they suffer. And you imagine even, even when everybody's in a situation that's that difficult, imagine if you're also deaf. Like imagine, imagine if you also can't hear a soldier who's warning you about going to a certain place. Imagine if, imagine if you can be outside and you can't hear if there's, you know, if, if, you know, if, if there's an attack or if a bomb goes off yeah. or something, you can't even yeah. access it. And, you know, so Somali, Somalia and the Somali language is in the position that Somali doesn't even have like a recognized sign language yet. You know, like the, like, like, like the deaf people here in the UK, we can yeah. learn, we can learn British, British sign language. Like my wife yeah. knows British sign language. I had to learn it when I got married to my wife. And, um, yeah. You know, like here and in America and loads of other countries, they have a sign language, and you know, so um, so so shout out to shout out to the wives, so kind of behind the scenes. That's that's, that's a nice way to go into it, inshallah. Because not we'll, we'll uh, inshallah we'll get um we'll get good feedback from the sisters out there who often complain that we don't acknowledge them. So, so huge huge shout out, may, may Allah bless the may Allah bless the wives out there who are, I mean, I mean, who are, who are doing their I mean. thing. So it's an enormous pleasure for me, Akhi, to kind of um, firstly to actually have an opportunity to have a chat with you because it's, it's amazing, bro, that like, that we've worked together, that you've helped me with building my program and stuff. And we've been in yeah. touch for like years now. And like, we've never yeah. really, we've never actually got a chance to meet. We've, we've had a few times where I've really wanted to, but you know, with, you know, just with stuff going on, I think, you know, it's, it's been difficult, but it's a huge pleasure for me to kind of um, introduce you to my audience and then kind of, um, kind of allow my audience to kind of come on the journey a little bit with you and just kind of see, kind of see how we've ended up with, with Mesur Arabiya that you're running now and with, with, with the Ismail Beaumont that we see today. So, um, so, so firstly, I, I really just want to ask, like, like right now, like how are you feeling? Like right now in your health, how are you feeling? Actually, mashallah, now that I'm looking at you, man, I feel, I feel fantastic. <laughs> so, I'm fasting today, but I forgot that I was fasting. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Yeah. So I'm feeling great, I'm feeling great. I'm still fine. I'm, I left my six days of Shawwal to the, you know, um, to the, the, you know, just the last okay. few moments for whatever reason. But alhamdulillah, mm. I called it time. 
But to answer your question, I feel great, I feel Alhamdulillah. Good, I feel, um, obviously, I'm not too sure if you've heard the, the recent news that I released yesterday um, that I went for a consultation the day before. Uh, and my oncologist informed me that the cancer has grown uh, or it's growing or it has grown since the last checkup, which was some three months prior, three to four months prior. So ordinarily, you know, anybody would think, oh, this is a catastrophe, it's disastrous. Um, and it is, but, but there's always khair in every test, you with me? And I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you with a, a, a slight smile on my face if I was down in the dumps and depressed, because I'm not, you know? I understand um, what's happening. I, I, I just see the situation for what it is. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that I've got cancer and it's spreading, it doesn't, it's not indicative that I'm going to necessarily die before, for example, la qadar Allah, but yourself, mm -hmm. all right? Who may not, wallahu a'lam, have any um, health implications right now. Um, when we're dealing with the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as I've mentioned before, um, and I hope nobody takes this out of uh, context, but there's no algorithm. You don't try to suss out what's going to happen with the qadr of Allah. Mm. It is what it is. And as Muslims, we know from our Iman in the, or our faith in the six pillars of Al-Iman that we have to believe in the qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi, the predestination of Allah, the good of it and the bad of it, without trying to suss it out. All right? And I don't know, um, you know, I mean, well, everything that anybody goes through ultimately makes them who they um, end up being. Yeah. And any type of trauma or challenge fitna or obstacle that I've had in my life has led me to where I am today to be able to say I accept and this is what this is the message that I was trying to get through to my audience yesterday I accept what's happening am I happy about it no <laughs> Do, if I had the, uh, the option to change and remove this cancer would I definitely but at the same time it is what it is and I'm going to continue to praise Allah and I'm going to continue to be uh, positive and I'm going to continue to try to give the best of me, all right, for myself, for my family, for my brothers and sisters all around the world. Because I understand, no matter what happens, whether I'm successful and I beat this, or whether this thing beats me, whatever happens, it's all good. Because there's lessons happening as we speak. You know, six months down the line, 12 months down the line, if I'm not here, people are going to look at this and they're going to draw inspiration uh, from it. And I, I, I totally understand that. To me, Akhi, is crazy. Um, it's almost like we are in the future and we're looking back right now. And I say to myself, well, Ismail, you know, la qadar Allah, but let's say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he takes your life in the next six to uh, 12 months or wh whenever Allah decides. If somebody was looking back, how would, how would you want them to see you act? How would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want to see you? How would you be happy when you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, you know, all of your deeds are put uh, in front of you. How do you want to say to Allah, Allah, when you tested me with this, I was patient and I was happy. Yeah, it was difficult, but I still didn't allow that test to change who I am. Because at the end of the day, cancer-free or a cancer patient, I'm still Ismail. I still got to be me. You with me? You know, and I refuse to um, allow my circumstances, especially things that I can't control. I can't control the rate that this cancer is growing or when it's going to grow, or how big it's going to grow, or how vicious it's going to be. I can't do that. So I'm not going to, you know, concern myself about something I have absolutely no control over. But what I can control, actually, is how much I smile. 
in a day. What I can control is the words that come out of my mouth in a day. And what I can control is what I allow myself to think about. Because in my humble opinion, I could be wrong, but this is just my take on life. You know, we have more control over ourselves than we think. Oftentimes somebody will say, like I was speaking to my sister today and she was, whatever we were speaking about as a personal issue, she was like, I can't do this and I can't do that. I said, no, you're choosing not to do it. Because all you have to say is to yourself, I can do it. The moment you say that, you say it enough to the point you believe it, then you just change your whole perspective. And that is one of the most beautiful uh, lessons that I have learned from this unfortunate circumstance. You with me? I said to my missus, just to, not to rub it on, Achim. I said to my missus today, because obviously we go, through, we go through stages. Sometimes I'm happy. Sometimes I may not be as vibrant. Sometimes she's cool. Sometimes she's finding it a bit more challenging because she's got other issues to deal with and think about that I don't necessarily have to think about. She has to think about the thought of existing without me. I don't have to think about that because once I'm dead, I'm dead. And I have to go into the next phase, which is the grave and dealing with the fitna of the qabr. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us both from that. Amen. But for somebody that... I'm so sorry, Akhi, man. That's all right, bro. This is natural, right? This is just... Let me put it yeah, inside. Yeah, bro. No, no, you go for yeah. it, bro. You go for it. Not out, we're not cutting out anything, right? No, but no anyway, this is candid. That's it. She has to think about stuff. So, so um, it's within the realms of reality that oftentimes she will get a bit more emotional. So I said to her today, I said, babe, listen, name me one time in our life wherein we've gone through a challenging situation and Allah's let us down. She couldn't because it's never happened. And I don't believe it will ever happen because the, the situation that you're going through it's not indicative if it's a test that, or well, let's say a difficult situation. Because we don't necessarily know, is it a test or is it a punishment? Inshallah ta'ala, we hope it's a test and a means of purification. But ultimately, we don't know. My husnul dhan billahi tabaraka wa ta'ala leads me to believe it's a test. Because I got good thoughts about my, my, my Lord. But at the end of the day, no matter what test Allah has thrown at me and my wife in the 14 and a half years that we've been married, at the end of that test, there's been some beautiful, beautiful um, benefits. I say, what makes you think that this is any different? That's why I say, Akhi, everything's all good. SubhanAllah. Whether I can see it, whether I don't see it, whether I live to see it, whether I don't, I just know it's all good. I you know, just know it's all good, Akhi. You know, Akhi, like, the children of Adam, and especially us, like, in our times, we have such a, we have such a tendency to despair so quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, when we see our entire experience here in the dunya, we even we, we we get so caught up in like an individual moment, and we think like this is we think that this is turmoil. This is this is yeah. and alim. Like we think that this moment is is awful for us, and you That's know it. sometimes when you pull through it, you look back and you think I wouldn't have changed that. You know, subhanallah. You look back and you think like I, I came out of that with things that 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 changed me. Like just, just earlier, I was I was talking to my family about um. I, I, like I haven't asked my wife's permission to share all the details, so I'll just I'll just say what's necessary for this conversation. But like, like my wife's had some health issues, and um, like there's been times when she's been on a ward, been on a ward before, and like it, even sometimes my wife uses language to me. Like she even talks as if she's accepted that she'll she'll like die before me, like she, as if she's as if she's even accepted that, you know. And like I remember one time when she was on a ward, and like there were just certain hours that I could go and visit her, and I was having to kind of look after 
our eldest son sort of on my own when she was in the hospital and stuff like that and you know like when we look back at that and we think subhanallah like in in a way like that moment of darkness where where things where things got things got um things got pretty raw like though it was it was an enormous ni'mah in many ways because like throughout our lives we don't often get an opportunity to to really ponder on how we are going to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do you know what I mean like it's it's just in our nature as as mankind that comfort we think of comfort as being our friend but comfort isn't really comfort 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 can be a punishment for us in this life if it distracts us do you know what I mean? Like we, we kind of get given the impression that, and, and, and obviously as, as humans who are striving to return to our Lord and be in Jannah, we're, we're obviously, we're obviously programmed to want comfort, right? But the, 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 the wisdom comes from our deen, subhanAllah, when we, when we understand that that's, then that's, that's with our Lord. You know, just, just as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, Alhamdulillah, who has lent, who has lent Ismail Beaumont to us for a short period of time. Like, Alhamdulillah, what a blessing that Allah has lent him to us for this short period of time. But it's for all of us for a short period of time. Do you know what I mean, Akhi? You see what you just said there? That is exactly my message to everybody. Look, today it's me. Yesterday was uh, Brother Ali Banat. Today it's me. Tomorrow it's going to be Fulan. The next day it's going to be Fulana. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, my cancer is no more important than any other person's cancer journey in the world but what happens is when somebody is faced with like a life-threatening illness and or if they do pass away we automatically go into the the mode of i'm never going to be with so and so again all right and that's the challenge this is why we get sad and this is why we cry and you know uh, maybe some people may fall into depression but if we just change the narrative and say exactly what you said show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing said person in our life and sharing that experience or, sh- or learning that particular benefit or do you know what I'm saying just thank you Allah for allowing me to have to know so and so it changes everything yeah and that's what I'm like this is what I would love people to to learn from this whole journey mm. learn to change the narrative learn to change your perspective and you will change your life changing to have a perspective of gratitude is something that's kind of really helped me cope with because generally I don't know why but just as a tendency that I have like sometimes my mind can go to dark places like so sometimes when you have people who you love so much like when you have children and and a spouse and a family that you love you think like like what would what would my life be like if I lost them like you know like sometimes I think back to when I was in Palestine there was a time when I was praying in Masjid al-Aqsa and Mm. um and there was a clash during that time and um and in, and in that clash, there were children who were killed. And I remember going back to the masjid. Um, you witnessed all of that? Sorry? You witnessed all of that? Yeah, I witnessed all of it. I witnessed all of it. And, um, and I went back to the masjid. And when we were praying Janazah, there were like small bodies shrouded. Like when, when you see the bodies shrouded, they're like the length of children. And I even remember, I remember sort of the, the size that those children were. is like the sort of size that my eldest son is now. And it's, it's really easy when you think about that. It's really easy when you think about that to kind of just feel, feel sad because like, because it is true that obviously we can be returned to Allah whenever, but the position of the Muslim should be one of, of really understanding the reality of it, of that really it's the case that hasn't Allah been so kind and generous that he's lent our children to us? 
like if you, if you were to think about anybody else in this world, if they were to lend some, if they were to lend you the joy of your life, like a little baby that that copies you and looks like you and and imitates you and compliments you and is built and is built pre-programmed to just love you to pieces, and lent that child to you yeah. for an amount of time, like how how can we not be grateful for that? How can we not be grateful? Even if I'm, I'm not saying it's easy, did you know? Like it's it's not that I'm saying it's easy. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be sad when their children pass away, and, and obviously. But you know, subhanAllah, man, like, when we really think about that, that's, yeah, subhanAllah, it's a good, gratitude is, um, gratitude is huge, it's huge. Definitely, definitely. SubhanAllah, man. So let me ask you, bro, so, so obviously, you know, you've, you're, 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 you're having your tests and your trials at the moment in terms of your health, and you've obviously, when you went to study in Medina as well, like, I assume you had to be away from family, when you were in Medina, at least for a little while as well. Totally. Did you ever, so, okay, so, so just to clarify a few things. So did you go to Medina, how old were you? I got accepted when I was 25 years old. Okay, good. And um, did, did you need to do the two years of Arabic at the beginning? I did indeed, yeah. And then, and then you did uh, four years afterwards? Um, I ended up doing about maybe like four and a half, but okay. in total it was longer than that because I took um, uh, an academic year off. Okay. Yeah, right, okay, one, so one, one semester my wife was pregnant the other semester unfortunately i broke my hand so it was like two consecutive terms okay cool Khair, well I, I just wanted to get the timeline right so so we're talking like of actual time you had to be away a good solid six years at least yeah, right, the time you had to be away definitely. have you ever considered quitting many, many times many times for multiple different reasons and okay. um yeah this is something that um I have absolutely no shame in, in discussing because many people drop out and it's so difficult just to be away from home, be away from your family, let alone trying to study at a, a very, very high level in a different language. There's so many different, you know, delicacies happening at the same time. And it's, this is really multifaceted when it comes to studying abroad especially in a place like Medina, which is, it's from, in my humble opinion, and I've got, there's other brothers that, you know, they concur with this. It's an, an academic setup. You know, it's not, you know, you're there for the love of Elm and you're, you're, you're there just to study. No, you're there to study and you're there to pass. Mm. Because if you don't pass, you're going to get kicked out. That's the reality. So if you have, if you're not highly motivated, if you haven't been, you know, either gifted or you haven't picked up with how to study, you're going to find that, um, that experience very, very difficult. On top of that, you've got the, the fitna of living in a strange land whereby you're still trying to understand the culture. Some bits of the culture you can get with, other parts of the culture you may not like, you know, because of where, just by virtue of where we come from in the West. You know, the relationship between teacher and student in the West is significantly different between the, uh, to the relationship between teacher and student in the, uh, the East, you know. Um, growing up in secondary school, I don't know, you know, what your background was like, but how many, how many of maybe of us or of the, our friends or people that we may have went to school with would fight the teachers or be rude to the teachers or backtrack the teachers? That's unheard of in the, in the East. Mm unheard of you know so when we come as western students remember i was 25 years old when i got accepted so by the time i got into the 
Kulia, which was uh, the Kulia of Al Hadith. I was 27. A lot of the people that were studying with me were young kids. So as a result, you know, the teacher would treat them away. And I'm like, I've already just, I've, I've, I graduated from an, a university in the UK before I even got to Medina. So, are there so some, I, I was just going to ask, so are there some students there who are 16? I wouldn't, I don't know as young as 16, but I mean, they definitely acted as young as 16. Okay. Or 18. That's what I can, maybe as young as 18, okay. 19. Okay. You know, so. and as a 25 year old uh, man as well, at the time I was married with two kids, you know, I'd been living away from home for as long as I can remember, you know, to be spoken to or treated like a child, not by all of the teachers, but by some, it's, it's challenging because, you know, you start thinking like, I don't have to be here. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't be far-fetched for me to be older than some of the teachers. Or was me it, to be the same age or, or around the same age. How did you overcome that? Was it just a lesson in humility? Definitely. And I suppose the desire to be there was stronger than the, the desire to leave. Okay. <laughs> Ultimately, you with me? Even through other testing times that I experienced in university, when I was just ready to throw in the towel and say, I have had enough. Um, obviously, it wasn't stronger it wasn't um how, how can i say say this that desire to say I'm, I'm fed up wasn't as strong as i want to stay and learn and um uh, you know remove the ignorance from myself so i'm able to worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon clarity and i i thank allah for that actually because like i said so many brothers came and so many brothers they left you know and i don't disrespect anybody that that left because everyone's got their reasons and I would never, ever dare have the audacity to judge somebody based upon their personal experience because I don't know what they were going through. Do you know what I'm saying? So if anybody was able to make it through, I don't care which kulia you went to, because you know they there's this like internal, um, you know, uh, dispute between the tulab which kulia is the hardest and which is the easiest and where do the the strong students go and where do the weak students go. I'm not into all of that, man. Everything's relative. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you can manage to get through that ma'had, which is the Arabic Institute, and then go to the kulia and pass, and you still got your sanity <laughs> by the end of it, then mashallah, fantastic. You had a fantastic job, man. And even if you didn't, well done for trying. Why did you, um, why did you do hadith? Excellent question, Akhi. I mean, um, I suppose when I was uh, at the stage, when I just finished the Ma'had uh, and we was going for a muqabala, which is like a meeting or an interview, shall I say, with um, uh, a representative of the kulliyat. And then that's where you choose which kulliyat you want to go to. I didn't know where I wanted to go at first. Um, and the only uh, examples of, you know, things that people that I could look up to were the other students that had preceded me and were in the, the, the various uh, kulliyat. And one of the, you know, the, the main factors which led me to, to pick uh, Al-Hadith was the conduct of the students that were currently studying in that said uh, faculty. And I like the way they carried themselves. I like the way the knowledge that they seem to have. Um, I, I soon, you know, learned a, a very, very uh, sharp lesson in uh, knowledge isn't only what you preserve up here. Knowledge is what you know and what you implement. 
Do you know what I'm saying? I learned that later on. But from what I saw, they look like the ideal, you know, representative of what a student should be. So it was in it my your opinion. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. But just because you pick a faculty doesn't mean you get in. Yeah. You have to pick like number your first one and I think second and perhaps your third one. And okay. you get which whichever one you you, you know. I think it's contingent on your grades and because they ask you questions, man. They ask you questions. What's the difference? Was I remember one of the questions that they asked was like, uh, Okay. You know, like the, for example, the shurut of the salah and the arkan of the salah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the pillars or the conditions of it, yeah. Exactly. And um, if you're not clued up, you could easily say, okay, I don't know. You yeah. have to study to know these things. Yeah, yeah. So can you imagine if you don't know anything like that? And it's no disrespect if somebody doesn't know, but if you want to go to a faculty like Al-Hadith, where you have to memorize, say, 150 to 170 Al-Hadith every single semester, and each semester consists of four months. So in a space of a year, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, about four months. In a space of a year, you're looking at 300 to 350 ahadith, even if I haven't made, it, made a mistake, hadith you have to memorize. On top of memorizing Quran, on top of memorizing, you know, uh, different mustalahad from mustalah al-hadith, or if you don't go into usul al-fiqh, you're doing all of these subjects for the first time. But if you don't show in that meeting that you've got that foundation, uh, foundational uh, level of knowledge, then they're probably going to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I don't think you should go here. I think you should go there. But alhamdulillah, that wasn't uh, an issue uh, for me. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's what led me to, to go to Hadith. I feel also like... to, uh, No, go on, finish the points, inshallah. No, I was just going to say that the, the second reason uh, which uh, led me to go to Hadith was, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking about the needs of my community, if I'm honest. I didn't intend to come back to the UK. If I had it my way, I probably would have stayed in Saudi Arabia as long as I could. Um, but I, I was and still am fascinated to learn, you know, everything that's possible to know about the Prophet alayhi salatu salam. How did he use to walk? How did he use to talk? How did he use to interact with his wives and his, uh, his companions and his enemies? I was fascinated about that. How did he use to eat? You know, and um, that was, that's what I wanted to try to uh, um, encompass or, or benefit from during the short amount of time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed me to be there. I think there is something especially beautiful for the student of knowledge. And I certainly found it for like the, the, the small amount, the small amount of hadith that I studied um, when I was no. studying Arabic, is that there is something incredibly beautiful about having the opportunity to study the way that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke. And particularly, like as someone who's interested in the Arabic language, particularly how eloquent he was. You know, like sure. how how amazing, what a, what a legacy it is that we can mm. sit here and we can hear the words in the language, word for word, how our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, spoke, spoke to the people who he loved the most. You know, isn't it, isn't it incredible? Like just, just, just recently, I mean, I've, like I've, I've kind of got down a rabbit hole of, um, there's this newish platform called TikTok. May Allah protect you if you're on it as well. Um, no, anyway, so, so on yet. there, when, yeah. when you join, 
the, the algorithm doesn't really know what you want to see, right? So it shows you a lot of different stuff and there's lots of stuff which may or not protect us from it. You have to, have to swipe through very quickly. And then I've come across yeah. like various kind of like Christian videos. Like mm -hmm. I, I, like I come from a Christian background myself and like, and like I was trying to find the answer, right? I, I think I know the answer myself, but I wanted to know if, if the community could answer it myself about what language Jesus preached in, right? Yeah. There's pretty much consensus. Like most people know that like the earliest, earliest manuscripts of the New Testament are in Greek, right? Most people know that, but, but Jesus spoke Aramaic. So at the very mm. best, the earliest translation, the earliest manuscripts are translations of what he said at the very best, right? right? Mm. But isn't it amazing that like, that, that we can actually hear hear the words that our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam spoke like cuz cuz i say yeah. i say particularly for someone who can who has the opportunity to study because the eloquence of the quran is something which we we accept and people can access quite easily the eloquence of the quran sure. do you know what i mean on, on some level do you know what i mean like the the, the general muslims can yeah. access on some level like we can we can enjoy recitations of the quran and you know just in our pocket we can listen to you know, hundreds of recitals of the Quran recite with perfect tajweed, <laughs> you know, completely easily. But like, you know, so to have the opportunity when you study to to get to enjoy the eloquence of our beloved messenger is is something that is something that um, yeah, that that that, that student of knowledge gets to enjoy, which is actually something which perhaps people of people of the other religions never get to appreciate, even from their own, even from their own books. Definitely. Uh, oh, do man. forgive me, my wife just brought me a date so I can break my fast, but continue, please. I can no problem at all. Saying. No problem at all. I'll, I'll cover for you, inshallah. So, um, yeah, so that, that was kind of, that's kind of some of the stuff that I've been thinking about a little bit recently. And yeah, I mean, you know, like learning about this individual is, um, is, is, is such an, uh, such an enormous nirma, you know, like we, the, 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 the legacy that was left, like a, purely from like a linguistic perspective, because another question kind of just thinking about kind of the comparison of the religions that I think about sometimes is why is it so appropriate that the Quran was revealed as lisan arabiyun? Like why is Arabic so good? And, you know, if you were to think like, you know, I don't know if there is another example of a language, which is so, so accessible over such a long amount of time. Do you know I mean, there are definitely languages that there are definitely languages which are like as old as Arabic. But there's definitely yeah. languages like, like like Sanskrit, which some people can read now, or like Chinese, and there's still Chinese now, yeah. or, or even even English, right? Which is like a sort of a few hundred years old or whatever. But they're almost completely unintelligible, like 500 years ago or something. Like without a little bit of education, even like Shakespeare is pretty unaccessible to someone with a certain level of education. So if you were to think if all of the humans who have ever lived and ever been buried in the ground were all to be resurrected, I think mm. Arabic would probably be the most commonly known language among them. You know, if you think about the amount of, like, like Fusha would be the most commonly known language among them. Because not, not only the amount of space that it covers, but the number of generations that is covered, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Like an amount of time of like 1,500 years of people who can all testify that they understand that language in particular. You know, it might be it might it might be easy for people to look at it now and say, well, Chinese is the most spoken language. Like, why wasn't it revealed in Chinese? Well, like it wouldn't be on yeah. Yom Al Qiyamah. Like it, that that wouldn't be the most most recognised language among the people. And you know, I, you know, sure. I think with a little bit of kind of pondering, there's something so beautiful about that. Like, I, I you know, like because it's not even accessing the Arabic language hasn't been made impossible for us either. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? Like even even a real joy that the Christians had, and I even had in, in my past, was that the Bible has been translated in all these different languages, right? But um, oh, I was going to say I've kind of forgotten my point. Oh no no no, here was the point: is that like 
because most of the other scriptures from the other religions are so big as well, like the Bible is, I don't know, maybe three times the size of, of, of the Quran. I mean, the, the Old Testament especially is particularly large. To read the whole Bible is a lot more challenging. It's a lot more work than learning Arabic and then reading the Quran, if you see what I mean. Like, like yeah, so like if we were to say, I mean, I don't know exactly the comparison, but if the Quran were a similar size to the New Testament, learning Arabic is probably not much harder <laughs> than reading the, reading the Old Testament. Like, however, you, like however, however an individual is trying to return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like, yeah. e like even the, the proposal that Allah has proposed to, us to, through, proposed to us through Islam is even more accessible than anything else. Do, yeah. do you see what I mean? Totally. And what you're saying, Akhi, it further emphasizes the, um, the importance of students around the world, or Muslims, should I say, trying to strive to learn that language because we've been afforded that ni'mah that we Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to have access to the exact same language that our beloved Prophet spoke you know and that's not a concession that any other religion can necessarily say that they have if they went back they can't speak in the same language as the prophets that they claim uh, to follow and that's it it's it's um it's beautiful Mm. So, um, so that brings us quite nicely, actually, on to because obviously I wanted to have an opportunity to talk to you a little bit about your time in Medina, and then, so how long after you returned from Medina is it when you decide to take Maysur Arabiya onto yourself? Uh, to be honest, Akhi, Maysur uh, came about whilst I was in Medina. Okay. You know, I think I was still in the Ma'had, and um, primarily it was my way to, um, you know, solidify what I was learning and also share it because one of the best ways hands down uh to um you know to decipher whether you've learned something is if you can teach it because if you can when you if you learn something from the angle of i want to learn it to teach it, you're learning it for two people as opposed to just saying all right i just want to learn it to benefit from myself so um what i used to do in the early days actually was simply um, whatever I would be learning in the Ma'had at the time, especially from the Medina book series, I would go home and the, the videos to this day are still on YouTube. They're like these old school green boards. You don't see my face, but you would hear my voice. And for the time, you know, like what we're looking at like nine years ago, they served their purpose. They served their purpose. It was, it was new. Nobody was doing stuff like that at that time. Uh, and in addition to that, um, it was more, it was like a hobby to me. So I was doing something that I enjoyed, but at the same time, people were benefiting from it. And I was also benefit, benefiting from it. So if you can find something that you find enjoyable and there's an element of learning and you know disseminating information to others, it's a beautiful situation uh, to be in. So really that's where Mesor started. I can't remember what the year was, probably 2010. I'd have to go and check on the YouTube to find out when the first, uh, the year that I uploaded my first video. But that's where it started and I never intended to turn it into a business or what it is today. I didn't, in all fairness. It just kind of organically uh, grew that way. Mm. And um, so at that point, what is kind of the first thing that you do to build Mysore? Like, is, is it literally just kind of repackaging the knowledge that you're getting from Medina in a way which helps you and a way which you think will help others? Is that, is that just, that's all it is in the beginning? In essence, yeah. But what it is, actually, is that, you know, uh, the word Mysore in and of itself, like the linguistic meaning, um, has a couple of meanings, actually, but it means to make things easy. 
to make things feasible, to make things accessible. And I just felt that, you know, um, oftentimes the conventional way of studying, especially Arabic, was just made difficult. And my thing was that this isn't, it's, it's challenging, but it doesn't have to be so difficult. I want to be able to, you know, communicate this beautiful language to an audience who have the ability to learn it, but it's just not been given to them in a way that they can digest. And that's what I, you know, committed, you know, the next however many years, what, 10, nearly 10 years now of my life uh, to doing. Um, and I've still got a long way to go, but I have come a long way and I appreciate the, the growth, you with me? So yeah, in, in essence, and that's what it is, it's learning, repackaging it and delivering it in such a way that people can die, digest it. Because there's so many people that teach Arabic, yourself being uh, one of them, you know, there's so many free videos on uh, YouTube. I'm not the, 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 the most knowledgeable student about the Arabic language, but one of the things, I will, if you can call it a USP, you know, a unique selling point that Mesor has, is that we have the ability to explain seemingly complicated constructions in a very, very easy uh, and digestible way. Actually, I'm just uh, conscious of Maghrib, uh, coming in, uh, and we have to pray. So, yeah, do you want point. to? Um, we can have a yeah, break, inshallah. Um, yeah, and then we can. Yeah, we can have a break, inshallah. Um, I'll go and get some water as well, I'll go, and we'll, we we can pray, inshallah. So, um, should we should we meet back in like five or something? Yeah, um, let's we'll, say ten minutes. Yeah, give it ten. We'll give, give it ten. We'll, we'll meet back at like quarter two, inshallah, and um, yeah, we'll carry yeah, on our conversation, be, inshallah. Perfect, um, I'll just pause this. Yeah, exactly. um, we, how are the family? Alhamdulillah, everyone's good, man. We actually left um, uh, three of my children at my parents' house uh, and we brought two back with us. So the house is pretty quiet today, Alhamdulillah. What are their ages? Okay, put me on the spot now, Akhi. I've got 12, mm -hmm. um, um, 11, or 10, I forget now, 8, yeah. 5, and just under five months. Mashallah. Yeah, your your newest um your newest um um Allah Mubarak, may Allah bless bless him or her. Um him. Him. May Allah bless him. Uh, was in January, right? Your latest arrival. Yeah, that's correct actually. Mashallah. Yeah, good mashallah. Yeah, how did you know? Or how did you remember, shall I say? Well, because you're my brother and I actually care about what's going on in your life. So when I see things on your Instagram and stuff, I, you know, I, I make a note of it because, um, you know, I've, I have friends and I care about them, you know, so, so, that's, so that, that, that's it really. My, my youngest, Eunice, is, um, he's 10 months now. He's, uh, he already, he already likes football. He's nearly standing up and he's, he's trying to kick the football around and stuff. Yeah. His, his mum really wants him to be a professional footballer because she wants the money and things like so before we took a, before we took a little break to go and pray, I, I just wanted to make a point about how you were saying about how um, at Mesor, um, a big part of it is kind of repackaging um, Arabic, like obviously seemingly complex things. Obviously, people who who don't have a foundation or aren't familiar with it, obviously a lot of things are, are seemingly complex, but when we can kind of unpack them, they become they become not so. And I just kind of thought, one of, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you about why you studied Hadith is because I, I kind of noticed that maybe two of the most approachable and most accessible graduates of Medina um, are obviously yourself and Ustad Tim Humble, may Allah bless him. And both of you are graduates of Hadith, 
as well. And I, I wasn't sure if there's a particular reason for, for, for the two of you. But um, that, that was just something particularly that I noticed. But it's, um, it's, something, it's something very nice that, um, you know, that, that the community, uh, literally like a few clicks of a button, they can approach someone like yourself who's a graduate from the University of Medina. Now that's, that's an enormous nirma. Like with some of the platforms that we have now, obviously a lot of fitting, and, fitting have come. But I mean, it, it is a big nirma to be able to, literally like some of my audience today could drop you a DM on Instagram and they could be learning Arabic from you like next week, couldn't they? I mean, the same day if they wanted to. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Day. And I, I think that's really, really important actually, to be um, accessible to the people mm. and not to allow any accolades that you may feel that you've accomplished, whether you're a graduate or whether you've just been around seeking knowledge or around the ulama, to not allow that to, you know, make you think you're bigger than who you are. Because mm. it was only a few years ago you were, quote unquote, a layman or a laywoman. So... The fact that you said that, that, you know, I'm accessible, that makes me happy, Ahi, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm being perceived that way, because that's exactly how I want to be perceived. Mm. You with me? Yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, even though obviously, like, for, for Arabic teachers out there, and obviously it applies to ourselves, like, we, ha we have families, and we have, and obviously we have needs, and, and, and obviously it needs to be to a certain degree a business, but um, sure. doing things for free, and being accessible, and just putting out help for people, I just, I 100% believe in my heart that that works out in the end. You know, like just, 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 sure. just in my experience, like when I've had periods of my life where I've just woke up every day and I've said, look, I'm going to give something for free to the Arabic students on every platform every day. And like, yeah. like the, yeah. the, the, the metrics works out. Like it really works out. You know, like I, I know there are some people in our space and, and I've certainly received some business advice in my time that kind of suggests that the best business model is high ticket. Like, I, I don't know if you've sort of had this advice as yeah. well, that the best business model is to go for sort of like, you know, maybe a thousand dollars to kind of $3,000 kind of packages. Right. And I, whilst like, I, like, whilst I know there are some brothers in our space who do that and I, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize what they do because if people have the means for it, then they do their thing. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they do their thing. But I've, I, I personally yeah. found like, if I were to do that, it doesn't come from a sincere place. Do you know what I mean? And the, and the metrics mm -hmm. of just behaving in line with what you think is what, what you think is you giving as much as you can. I, I just believe that that works out better in the end. I, I totally concur. And uh, just to corroborate what you just said, um, when, when COVID like was it at its infancy stage, if you like, um, I just woke up one day uh, and I was actually inspired by uh, somebody that's helped me with Facebook ads in the past just to give back. So um, I decided to teach one of the books uh, that we studied in the first level of the Arabic Institute called Al-Qira'a, which is reading skills, right? So um, I said, you know what, I'm going to teach this uh, book absolutely for free because it was at a time where everybody was at home. So um, I did that and I did not take the approach that, okay, this is free. So whatever I decide to give you, just accept. I actually approached the, uh, the teaching, um, the delivery, the, 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 the amount of time that I gave as if it was a high level course. Like I said, literally, as if somebody paid me 200, well, not, not that saying 200 is a high, a high ticket, but, you know, it's a medium size, it's a medium sure, sure. kind of, you know, price range. So, um, you know, we, we initially said it's going to be like 14 days. It ended up being longer. I initially said that each lesson was going to be an hour. It ended up being like an hour and a half to two hours as like a standard. Um, 
and I tried to over deliver, not because I wanted conversions at the end of the, uh, the course. I didn't. Although I did say, look, guys, people were saying, well, what next? <laughs> Where do we go next? And I said, well, you know, once you finish this, if you really want to move on to the next level, then I suggest you do this. And it, it, it just organically happened that I think, if I'm not mistaken, about 1,300 people signed up for the free course. Um, as you know, uh, a, a, a fraction of those people actually attended the course. You know, we had like, um, out of those 1,300 people, maybe 250 on the first day. Then the second day, it st starts to dwindle down, dwindle down. And I said to them, I said, guys, look, as I was surprised that there was 250 people online. I said, as many, as happy as I am to see so many people online, by the time we finish this course, it's going to be about 50 people, solid. And lo and behold, actually, that's what it was. It went down from, you know, 1,300 people signing up to 250 people attending to 50 people also completing. And off the back of that, so many people ended up converting to other courses that I, I sell. And it was such a beautiful thing because I was just giving back. I didn't give to receive. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just sent down the barakah and it was, um, put it this way, that month was a very, very fruitful month. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. That's interesting because, um, you know, like for, for me, I do very, very little stuff live. Like most of, mm. the, con most of the content that I create, if it's, something that I, if it's something that I would deliver, I'll record the video and let students watch sure. the video. The thing that I do live is any one-to-one -one help. So like, so right. for, for my program, for the Arabic in 60 Steps program, I just have a phone. I might have it here somewhere. So I just, have a, I just have this phone and this is only for students on that program. And as a WhatsApp number, and I turn this on every single day. It's the first thing I do every day. And then I just answer all of their questions every day. And you know, alhamdulillah, we've got, we've got 500 students on that program now. So, like, so, 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 it's, so it's busy. But what I was going to say about what, what you said is that that's, by the time that you get down to that last 50, because you've done them live, that's a really good 50. Like for people to have, for people to have turned up for all those days, so have done the whole thing. You've got an amazing 50 there. Actually, they, 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 uh, they amaze it. I couldn't, I, I don't have the words right now to articulate how I feel about, you know, the people that are committing themselves. Whether it's free or not, let's put that to one side. You are taking time out of your busy schedule to dedicate yourself to learn uh, the Arabic language. And um, what's beautiful, actually, about the one-to-one -one teaching, sorry, the online teaching, even if, I ended up recording the classes and selling it as a, as a packaging it as a course. You get to develop a relationship now with your students. That's beautiful. They get to see your humorous side, your serious side. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's really, really important when you're in the, the space of uh, the, the field, sorry, of teaching that, um, you know, they, they, they see you as a person, you know, they see the, the human side of you. Sometimes I made mistakes. You know, sometimes there may have been errors in the, the harakat on the words. Somebody would correct me and I would appreciate that. Um, and I think that is beautiful because it's organic and it's natural. Mm. I think it's and a I shame. Think I think it's a shame sometimes that that people who are in people are, who are like the real scholars of the Arabic language perhaps don't have the um, the the desire to present themselves on camera. 
do, do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. so, so, sometimes, like, I'm I'm an individual who, like, I have a degree in Arabic, but like our Arabic language degrees here in the West are nothing compared to the standard of Islamic knowledge in in the Middle East and in our Muslim majority countries. But mm. like, I will end up having students instead of them because. I'm prepared to sit in front of a camera and have build a relationship with, with students and stuff. Sure. And uh, I often think about that, you know, cause, cause actually I had an opportunity to have um, a good friend of mine's Arabic teacher who is like you know, incredibly high level in the Arabic language. He, he might even actually be a graduate from Medina from, from the college of the Arabic language. He might actually, he might've actually done that. Okay. Um, yeah. He's, he's a friend of mine. There's a brother called Shaheen al-Rahman. I don't know if you heard of him before. But um, he's a he's a good friend of mine, no. and um, but I actually had an opportunity with his teacher to have him on the podcast, and um, and he said I, I don't think I've got anything mm. to contribute. Imagine that someone in that position, he said I don't think I've got anything to contribute really, so I don't really want to be a guest on the show. <laughs> like someone who perhaps is more knowledgeable than than all of my combined guests ever, just had sort of the the right. you know the the attitude to just say Do you know what I'm just going to go to the madrasa and teach my class this weekend because I don't really think I have anything to contribute to, to that. Subhanallah. I mean, that, 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 that could be from humility. He could genuinely just be a very, very, very humble guy. Or, you know what it's like? It's like, um, it's strange. When I was in Al Medina, because you're around scholars and you're around strong students of knowledge and mediocre students of knowledge, you can easily fall into the trap of thinking that you're insignificant and you don't have anything to give. and Don't speak because, you know, uh, we have the ulama and stuff like that. Your role is just to be a translator or whatever the case may be. And what I found, not in all cases, but some cases, is if somebody has low confidence in their own selves and they're happy to be placed in the box, then, you know, subsequently, they want to place you in the box. You with me? And you may not be a person that likes to be placed in the box, but when you're constantly fed that message over a period of time it is not inconceivable to to have that type of mindset and I too I had that mindset when I um just before I graduated a good friend of mine came over he was administration administ he was working on the administration of one of the mosques in our local vicinity and he was like look uh, we've got a job for you as the imam and really and truly who better to be an imam uh, other than a newly graduate a graduate from any university for that matter but i said no I, I i turned it down because i felt at the time because of the cultivation i had from the other students i didn't have anything to offer and it was ludicrous when i actually did uh take the position which my ad was out of desperation not because i wanted to take it i needed the money so i just took the job i realized you know the little knowledge uh, that I do have, it's, 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 it's big to students that haven't been exposed to what I've been exposed to. Now that was the, um, that paradigm, I think they call it the paradigm shift in my mind to say, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, embracing who I am and what I've been able to accomplish and give what I can. I can only give what I can. Um, and I suppose with the, the brother in question that you mentioned, if he were to understand even if he doesn't feel that he, could, he hasn't got any benefit because he's probably comparing himself to ulama. But he's got a lot of value to give to people that don't know nothing. But again, it's a, it's a, mind, it's a mind, uh, mindset shift, which is, uh, it can be quite challenging. It's definitely the case that 
if you if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in a position where you've been able to gain a little bit of knowledge in some way or even if or even if you have an outlook which benefits other people when you have a conversation with them about something like one of the reasons why I wanted to run this show is because I've benefited a lot from just listening in on conversations of people who are striving for something you know sometimes sure. people even say things that I benefit a lot from and it wasn't even their main point like sometimes people are making make a kind of an off the cuff comment, which, which wasn't even kind of the main thing about their point. And, you know, like yeah. I've noticed, I've noticed this a lot in, in Dawa, especially like that down here in Cornwall, like we have quite a lot of revert brothers down here, like an, a, a, like a disproportionate amount considering we've got hardly any Muslims and like no Dawa effort. And a lot of the brothers tell me that like they embraced Islam from like, like off the cuff comments that they just heard other Muslims say like online and in debates and stuff like that. And it just resonated with them. You know, like there's there's definitely something to be said for that. And like like with this show, I mean, I'm doing it as a daily show now. So like I'm like I'm having one hour long conversations with people every day, and it, it gives me an opportunity as well to kind of be mentored in a way by by people who are who are striving for something, who see the world in a different way. And there's there's yeah, subhanallah, there's definitely there's definitely benefits that you can deliver to people so long as you um, present it right. That's it. That's it. So tell me about what you deliver at Maysod now, just for the benefit of my audience. I'm sure many of my audience are familiar with your work, but um, just, just so they don't know, just tell us about your, I'll put your website up at the bottom of the screen as well and tell us kind of what you offer at Maysod. So if people want to learn Arabic now, then, um, then how, how, can they, sure. how can they get in touch with you and, uh, and have your help? I mean, primarily, um, you know, you can jump on the website, which is www.mesaw.com. And we uh, initially started off um, specializing in the Medina book series because uh, they were the series that I, you know, um, used to study Arabic. I have looked at other books, but for me, I'm just muta'asibi and I'm very fanatical with those books. Whilst I totally concur and understand that they don't, you know, fulfill the um, the speaking side of things, you know, uh, and they're more focused on grammar. I think that for students in the West, and again, Ahi, this is my opinion, you may have a completely different stance on this. I think that students should focus on their grammar and their reading skills more so than speaking skills when they're in the West. And the reason why I say that is, um, if you focus on speaking in the West, Okay, alhamdulillah, you're going to learn how to express yourself, but you're going to have very, very little practice unless you're married to an Arab or you might be in a community whereby there might be a lot of Arabs that you can communicate on a daily basis. I just personally feel it's kind of counterintuitive to focus on speaking, which a lot of people want to do. I want to speak Arabic. I want to speak Arabic. I want to speak Arabic. But the reality is you can only really thrive in that particular area if you're in a Muslim country. But if you're in the UK now, if you focus on your faham, your understanding, which necessitates you need to know how to read, you need to have um, a decent understanding of grammar, you can be anywhere in the world and benefit from those aforementioned skills. Um, and the majority of us are living in the West. Um, so it just makes logical sense for me to, uh, to, sorry, to me, for students to focus on that. But at the same time, as you know, uh, if you want to gain mastery in any language, you have to ensure that all of the four main core skills are being worked on simultaneously, namely reading, listening, speaking, uh, and writing. So um, although we do specialize in the Medina books, we have branched off or branched out uh, to um, cover other books, like, for example, Al-Qira'ah, like I said, 
which is the uh, one of the books that we studied in level number one of the Arabic Institute. So in level number one, Al-Mustawa Al-Awwal, we had four books. Medina book one, Al-Qira'a, Al-Ta'bir, and a book called Al-Kitaba. I've already got a course for uh, Medina book one, which I've labeled as the study body course. We've already done Al-Qira'a now. As we speak, I'm working on Al-Ta'bir. At, at the end of this month, inshallah, if Allah wills, I'm actually going to run this course live, just like I did for Al-Qira'a. So this, inshallah, this podcast will be a fantastic, uh, you know, promotional tool uh, for that particular um, uh, uh, course. And if anybody's interested, they can contact me via um, the website or via Instagram. I'm very, very responsive on Instagram. Um, and then with Kitaba, I didn't really like the book that we studied, to be honest. So I've got my own version of a writing skills uh, course. So the whole idea is to repackage, same word that you used earlier on today, repackage the whole Medina uh, University Arabic curriculum online. And it's so, my, sorry, it's Father Lachie. No, I was just going to say, just, just before you move on, inshallah, just for clarity for my audience, can you give us dates for, for when you'll start running that, that course online? Yeah, that Ta'bir, I'm hoping by the end of this month. Okay, so inshallah, in the next a couple of days. Yeah. The end of, yeah, the end of June. End of okay, June, good. beginning of July. Um, the next couple of days, I'm going to get the um, the the we call it, you know, in in, in our in our world, actually, we call it the sales page. <laughs> I'm going to get the sales page uh, ready. Uh, people can sign up, um, and I I don't intend for it to be uh, expensive. I, I I only intend to charge fifty pounds, um, which is uh, usually you would have paid more money for the live course and then cheaper for the you know the um, the pre-recorded. Um, but if somebody wanted like certain other uh, concessions like homework marked and stuff like that there will be an option to pay a little bit extra to get that concession if you don't want that and you just want to just tune in and benefit um then you're free to do so at the the cheaper price um so my dream my dream is to actually do the whole two years of the arabic institute um online and as i was about to say a little while ago it's my, you know, I, I passionately believe that students will come out stronger after going through the curriculum with Mesa Arabic than many of us did once we left the Arabic Institute in Al Medina. Why? Not because I'm a better teacher than the teachers of the uh, inside the Arabic Institute, but can you just imagine when you're studying something in Arabic for the first time, whilst you benefit tremendously, imagine all of the fawaid benefits that went over your head that you just didn't pick up you with me by 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 but for no other reason other than the language barrier you know the language barrier and you don't have that issue when you're studying in your native tongue because even if i speak in arabic i'm also going to speak in english to make sure you understand every single thing so one of the issues that many of us as students had once we graduated from the arabic institute we weren't that strong. We weren't strong enough to go to Kulia because there were so many things that we didn't understand by virtue of the fact that we didn't have certain skills in place. Our writing skills weren't up to scratch. Uh, our expression skills weren't up to scratch. You know what I mean? We could, we could read and we could understand, but you know, our grammar skills compared to what we need in, at Kulia level, i.e. to read, to be able to read about any harakat, weren't up to scratch. So we kind of were just thrown in the deep end um, and I believe that with Mesor Arabic and even with your institute Achi, we 
remove that obstacle there or that 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 pain point and i think it's very very uh important to to emphasize that with you know for, and for students to be aware and to appreciate that you guys are getting something that we didn't get when we were studying arabic in arabic overseas when um when you talk about the fee for that course i know that that's typically the people who go into teaching Arabic are typically not people who are business minded, like typically people who go, or else we wouldn't go into teaching Arabic. We'd go into selling high ticket consulting or something, which is a much more lucrative business. But sure. um, it's really nice to kind of, to hear someone like yourself. And I'd like to hear more Arabic teachers just be unapologetic about what they charge. Because when yeah. it's something like that, like when we compare that, something like 50 pounds or may Allah bless you if you charge 100 or whatever you charge, inshallah. Like, if you imagine the sacrifice that you had to make to go and study that stuff, like sure. we're talking like, we're talking at like the equivalent of like thousands of pounds. When you consider yeah. the sacrifices you made, the time you spent away from your family, the, the things that yeah. you actually went through, including travel costs or whatever you incurred to actually go there, including the hardships that you had to endure to actually go into another country where it's hot. You know, you're, you're sitting around people you never met before. You're maybe even sharing a bedroom with people you never met before and stuff like yeah. the, the sacrifices that you went through and the fact that you can not only repackage it to make it more accessible from a learning perspective, but to make it mm -hmm. even cheaper from, from a financial perspective is an enormous sure. ni'mah that we, we ask that Allah give you the reward for in the akhirah. Ameen, ya Rabbi. To speak to your point about whether I agree um, about kind of a focus on grammar, you know, over the years, kind of, I've, I've ended up in a position now, right? I, I find it just works better, better for me to not comment on what I necessarily think is better or worse. Because quite often students, when they approach me, they already know what they want. So mm. I, I found that it's worked out better sort of financially for me and better for my students when I just say, look, I'm really good at teaching this, this thing that I teach. And you might not want that. I can recommend you a brother who does <laughs> or who can help you or something like that. Because for me, just the way that I learned and the things that I'm interested in is kind of literary Arabic to enrich the soul. Like I kind of want to empower students to be able to access some of the li Arabic literature, which, which really changed me. Like there's some Arabic poetry and Arabic texts and travel writing and stuff that, that literally like enriched my soul when I read that. Like to be able to see the world through, through the eyes of, of someone who's practicing Islam from Iraq in the 10th century and how they describe things. Like, like mm. I'm good at opening those doors to some students, but if a student comes to me and says, and says, look, I'm really interested in, you know, getting a job in Dubai to work in like, the corporate world. I'd be like, listen, barakallahu feek. Like the Arabic in 60 steps program probably isn't right for you. Unless you also, unless you also want to read some classical Arabic poetry, um, <laughs> you know, alongside or whatever. So I've, I've ended up just kind of taking the approach of like, let, let the students kind of figure their own way of what they kind of want to do first. And if it happens to be aligned with what okay. I deliver, then, then we do business, mm. you know, or, you know, you know, we, we, we work together inshallah. And that's, that's kind of ended up being my approach because it's, it can be very hard to kind of um, co coach people into a, a right outlook. But I, but I 100% agree that um, when some courses promise that they're a speaking program here in the West, I think it's more a case of that them, falsely saying that they can deliver something that they can't rather than that of course like yourself so mine is, is deficient somehow you know it's usually mm -hmm. that they claim that they can deliver something which they can't because i mean language the, the sort of thing that people are expecting when they come to you or us and i don't think it helps that in english when we talk about language we only really use the term speaking like if you learn mm -hmm. a language we say i'm gonna learn to speak this language 
We don't really, yeah, in, yeah. in our language, we don't really have the terms to say, I'm going to learn to write Arabic or I'm going to learn to yeah. read Arabic. Like we, we always associate speaking with, with learning a language. The language, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, honestly, like a, a, an essential thing that you, that you need to actually achieve that is immersion to some degree, which is either incredibly difficult for you to recreate or, or yeah. impossible. Like if you're not willing to do it full time, it's really hard. Like when, when I was at university, obviously you and I have had different experiences with this because you were in an Arab country when you were learning, but I was in London, right? I'm in yeah. central London. So like on our course, mm. they pretty much didn't even bother teaching us dialects or spoken Arabic until they just kicked us into Palestine in the third year. Like they, we, we had like a couple of classes, we had like a couple of classes a week or something where we'd learn a few phrases or, or whatever, but they were like, look, there's only so much we can do in two hours a week. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I even criticize this about our education system here in the UK. Like I, mm. I was saying, what, one of the videos I made on TikTok recently was just speaking to the fact that in this country, it's pretty much compulsory for like all of us to learn a language at school, right? Like at secondary school. So we go from like year seven to year 11 for our brothers and sisters who are over the pond in America or wherever. That means like age 11 to sort of 16. So like you've got like a whole country of people who have learned French for five years. Do, do you know anyone who has benefited yeah. from French at school? No, me, me, I don't know a single person. <laughs> I don't know. Think of that. Think of that. Like all of the funding and all of the training that's gone into these teachers. They deliver these lessons and like, like, like I, I worked as a primary yeah. school teacher. Like I know how much planning goes into these lessons, right? For like the whole population yeah. to learn nothing. So like th there's a problem. Crazy. There's a problem with having a lesson twice a week. And then we leave and don't even think about it again. And, and that, that, that's kind sure. of what our speaking experience was like at, at university. And our, our lecturers just kind of accepted, we can only do so much here. <laughs> like, you know, so, so, I, so I absolutely agree with that. And, I, and, a, and a principle that, that I, I thought was really powerful when I was writing the Arabic in 60 Steps program, which is unique to teaching grammar, is that when you learn a rule, like you can hold on to that rule like like because because I, I originally wrote that program when i was teaching children and i'd go to their houses like around mm. london when i first left my job as a teacher i didn't know what i was doing like i was just trying to teach some kids arabic to try to make enough money to survive really and um when i'd only see them once a week and i was trying to think like well how can i deliver like an immersive experience to children when i see them for one hour a week and the best that you can yeah. do in a situation like that is equip them with something that they can remember like we're gonna do a jumla ismiya we learn about Jumla Ismi and that's it, right? And it's something mm. that even like a six, seven, eight-year-old can hold on to. Uh, they have a rule, they've got a name for yeah. it, they know how to do it, they've got some examples of it. And, you know, ha having that and then kind of having an accumulative approach to it. Like, but once you kind of understand how to sure. do a Jumla Ismi, yeah, it's not a big step to kind of say, well, this is how we put a fearl in it. And this is how we do a Jumla Fearly, yeah. And to kind of, you know, like things being sure. accumulative is something that's important to me. And I think that kind of stems from, you know, when I saw children, a seven-year-old girl once a week and was trying to get Arabic into her brain somehow. Yeah. How did you, how did you get on with that? Well, the thing is, is it had varying degrees of success depending on how committed the parents were to it as well. Because literally, like if, if I see a student every Wednesday, for example, and a parent is prepared to go over what they did on the Saturday, that student won't only progress twice as fast. It's, it's, it's exponential more than that. You know, yeah. con consistency in learning languages is like a superpower. It's, you know, the, the, the growth isn't just double. It's not just the fruits of what you get from two hours. It's, it's more yeah. than that because it, because it, you know, it, it compounds so quickly. So it kind of depended on what the parents were willing to do. Like if I was willing to set homework and the parents were willing to do the work and, 
Um, so with varying success, depending on the commitment of the parents, like the, yeah. the, the commitment of the parents is, is, um, is incredibly important. You know, like even, yeah. even among, even among my students, I, there's a particular, there's a, I, I particularly have a soft spot in my heart for students that I have who are parents. Um, and particularly mothers, you know, like the nature of my program, most of it being pre-recorded online is that mothers who are at home with their children, they get their kids to sleep for an hour and they can do some, they can do some work, they can learn some Arabic. And it's a way that they can do it at home and they can do it flexibly around what they're doing. And they're, they're, like they're, those sisters who are, who are mothers, like they've got a special place in my heart really, because like I, yeah. because I, I know that that'll have a direct impact on how well their children will learn Arabic as well. 100%. Very important. May Allah bless you, man. I mean, I mean.